Welcome to Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm Sam Dunning, a digital marketing, sales, and business growth evangelist. Tune in and subscribe today as I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. You'll be learning their story, how digital marketing has helped them along the way, and exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your own business. And welcome back to a fresh episode of Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm excited to be joined by Jason Bay today. He's the Chief Prospecting Officer at Blissful Prospecting. He helps reps and sales teams who love landing big meetings with prospects, but hate not getting responses to their cold emails or feeling confident making cold calls. Sales is the only adult job he's ever had. He's done everything from selling house painting services door to door, running outbound call centers to helping hundreds of reps master cold outreach. Jason, a very warm welcome, sir. How are you doing? I'm excited to be here, man. We've been I've been looking forward to this for a couple of weeks now. Cool, man. Really, really excited to, to chat to you today. And um, I believe we're going to take a focus on how everyone tuning in today can amplify their inbound marketing with outbound. Um, and I'm sure there's people tuning in that are on either side of the fence. Some think inbound marketing, digital marketing is the one. Others yeah. are going to be diehard cold calling, cold email fanatics who think that is the only way to prospect, generate meetings, generate new clients. So it's going to be an exciting topic today. Before we jump into this hot topic, my friend, please give us a, a quick snapshot and background on your good self, Jason, um, on how you got into sales, how you got into business for anyone that does not know Jason Bay. Yeah. So my first sales job was in 2008 as a freshman in college. And someone came into my classroom and talked about running a house painting business to make money over the summer. And I was like, you know what? I stacked wood on a cart the summer before to make about you know five thousand, six thousand US dollars over the summer, which is like a lot, you know, growing up in my small mm -hmm. town. And I was like, you know what the heck? And I didn't realize that it was going to be a sales job or that I would be going door to door and doing all that other stuff. Um, and I ended up doing really well. Uh, closed like over a hundred thousand dollars worth of paint jobs. Uh, made twenty seven thousand dollars for school, and I was like. I love sales. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so uh, then I was a, a sales manager with them throughout college. And that's where I found I had, had a really big passion for training and coaching. You know, so this these were college kids. Most of them didn't want to be salespeople as their career. So most of them didn't have any previous sales experience. So I'd come in and show them everything from how to get leads, how to hire people to help them get leads, uh, how to do an estimate with a homeowner. And there was like a big process we taught them around, you know, imagine teaching someone how to build rapport, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's kind of an interesting, you know, how do we build rapport? How do we, uh, you know, handle objections? How do we talk about what we do? How do we take a homeowner around the house and, you know, talk to them about what they need, et cetera. Um, so I found out I really had a big passion for training and coaching. And then I ended up working with that company for six or seven years and spent three years as their marketing director. So I've got kind of both angles of the marketing and the selling side. Uh, and then great. 2013, uh, beginning of 2014, I left because uh, I wanted to help other companies, you know, with that type of work. And we got started with Blissful Prospecting because I saw a big need uh, with people selling B2B with, you know, I would find out that through my prospecting to these companies and sending cold emails and calling them and reaching out to them on LinkedIn, they were like, hey, could you do that for us? Yeah, could you help us with that? Yeah, and that's why we started Blissful Prospecting was I saw this big need of, you know, just really better frameworks and systems around how to do outbound versus just kind of the spray and pray, you know, kind of thing, email blasts and LinkedIn automation, all that stuff. How do we do this in a really good, smart, you know, sort of way where we prioritize the customer 
and then the prospect and their needs and their problems and use that as a way to get a meeting and educate them versus just kind of spray and pray and, and mass blast. Awesome, man. Love it. And good to hear that you've got some some marketing experience from it as well. Um, so obviously being a web choice, we, we take quite a big focus on the inbound marketing, the digital side of things, but I've almost worked in all ends of the spectrum, much like yourself, been there cold calling, cold outreach, um, still do a bit of it now whilst we, whilst we tend to work with our clients mainly on inbound marketing. But this is this is what I'm excited to chat about. I mean, I really want to get into it. Should should companies, should be businesses be doing inbound marketing? Should they be doing outbound marketing? Or, as we've said, can we can we amplify our inbound using outbound? And I believe you've you've got a framework that you could share with us to to help us understand it a bit better. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about that. The inbound and outbound portion of this. I most companies and most people, I feel like, kind of look at this as like two divisive things. It's like you mm. either do inbound and that's your thing, and those people hate doing outbound. It's you basically, you know, why? interrupt people when you could have people come knock on your door is the thinking there, right? And then with outbound, it's like, well, why wait around for people to reach out to you when you could go proactively reach out to them? And even though I focus our business on outbound, I still do a lot of marketing at our business. So I, I, I do all of the marketing and we generate a ton of inbound. And really, if you can get them working together, outbound works much better when there's an inbound engine going, when there's good content that addresses you know, you're the customer's problems that people can use that to start a conversation with. Uh, when outbound and inbound, when sales and marketing are working together to really identify what does the ideal customer look like and how do we find more of those people and how do we talk to their problems, challenges, how do we educate them, et cetera. So it's really about making them work together because they can both accomplish the same thing. The, the thing with inbound, if you rely 100% on it, and I'm sure you would agree on this, is that Unless you're a huge agency or huge company that has a, a tremendous inbound budget, you're probably not going to get the attention of all of the really large companies that you want to work with. So if you want to work with Fortune 1000 or any other large mid-market or enterprise companies, like they might not come across your content. So I look at outbound as a way to kind of put the inbound stuff that you spend all this money on and that your marketing team spends so much time creating this content. How can you put that in front of people and take an account-based approach and really be proactive about starting relationships as well. Exactly right. And, and like you say, Jason, inbound marketing isn't always fast. So unless you've got a ton of budget that you can suddenly pump yeah. into maybe paid ads that are directing to specific landing pages about your offering or your website to generate a, a ton of leads or meetings or sales, whatever your business is geared around, um, then it's, it's not going to be quick. And things like search and optimization, which are a long-term strategy, they take time. They typically take six months plus to, to yield the results. Yep. So if you can, like you say, mix the outbound approach whilst that's going on, and I guess to gear back what you said at the start of your piece, um, I suppose that if you've got a, a solid inbound marketing engine and then you're talking to prospects outbound and then they come to, say, your website or your blog or a piece of content that you've done as inbound marketing, I guess it can build a bit more trust in it. Yeah, definitely. So like that's the other, you know, unanticipated effect, I guess, that people don't really think about with outbound is it's so much work to get a conversation started with a prospect. And, you know, statistically, you know, 90 plus percent, you know, I see a lot of different numbers, but one number I see a lot is 97, 98 percent of the people that you reach out to uh, when you do outbound are probably not going to be in buying mode. <laughs> They're not going to sure. be ready to either have a conversation with you or to really engage with you in the sales process. 
So having a great way to, you know, nurture those folks with solid inbound content, I mean, that's really the key. So the way that you can make these two work together, normally I would kind of draw that out, but uh, with the tech that we're using right now, I don't know if that would be easy or not is what we kind of decided before this. So, so I'll kind of just, if yeah. you could visualize. Um, so what I would look at is like, if you could visualize like in the center of a piece of paper, you have the thing that you are driving. So for most of us, that is an intro call, right? We want to get a qualified sales call. So we could call these sales qualified leads, right? We want to get an intro call with someone that we can actually start uh, and have a sales conversation with. So if you visualize that intro call being in the very middle, on the left side, you have inbound things that you can use. And on the right side, you have outbound. And I'm going to start with the inbound first. So what you're probably doing with inbound already is you're creating content, right? So books, maybe you have a book that you've written, maybe you got articles, maybe you have podcasts, maybe you pump out webinars and videos and you got a YouTube channel, whatever it might be, you have your content here. And then the other strong inbound channel um, that I really take advantage of a lot, and we're doing it right now is third party. So how can I, that content there, how can I create content on someone else's platform? How can I get someone else like Sam to get me on their podcast, their webinars? How can I get in publications, et cetera? So this is typically where it stops with people that do inbound. They have this content, they drive it towards social, and that becomes kind of the driver for the email list and the intro calls. They have third-party content, and from that, they get, you know, they promote it on social, they get email subscribers, they get intro calls. And that's typically where it stops. So what you can do to complement that on the outbound side is there's three different types of outbound. So you don't always have to do like pure cold outreach. So the first one, and this is what I do mostly uh, these days, is what I call inbound-ish. <laughs> and the reason why I call it inbound-ish is that a lot of people say, oh, I, I work inbound leads. And I'm like, well, who are the people that you're calling? Oh, yeah, people that sign up for webinars or download their ebook. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, those aren't really inbound leads, though because they didn't sign up and say, hey, Jason, I want a demo. I want to talk to you guys. These people are still not expecting to get a call from you or get an email. That's, that's still cold outreach, right? It's, it's always, always a tricky question, I find, <laughs> um, especially with things like eBooks, um, those kind of lead magnets where people are signing up. They're, they're not really filling in a lot of information. They're just really putting their email and possibly a name. It, I always find it, how warm is that lead? I mean, that, that to yeah. me, it feels like it's a lead that really needs to be nurtured. It's just someone at the very first step of the buying journey. I don't know if you agree, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the buyer's journey is, I mean, there's a lot of controversy on, you know, the old kind of linear way of looking at the buyer's journey. But I think for all intents and purposes, it's a, it's a good way to look at, you know, a person that might come in that represents a business, could be an influencer, could be a champion, could be a decision maker, whatever it might be. I like to go with HubSpot's very simple way of looking at it. And it's like you have um, an unaware stage at the beginning where people don't know about you, know, you. they don't really know much about a problem that they might have. Um, they don't know about the ways they could fix it. And then they move into more of an aware stage. And that aware stage is, okay, got it. I have a problem. We're not generating enough leads. Um, I'm, gonna get, I'm gonna go start researching like ways that we can fix this. And that's where you kind of enter a consideration phase of, okay, I'm going to look for products. I'm going to look for services, people to help me out with this. I'm going to more clearly define my problem. Then you have a decision phase, right? Where people actually make a decision on what they're going to do to fix this problem. That's a very simplified version of the buyer's journey. Um, and where we tend to focus all of our outbound effort 
mistakenly is we start talking about things to the prospect as if they already know that they have a problem or they already know about us or they're already considering ways to fix it when we should really be starting on that unaware and aware stages where we should focus our messaging. So if we got to backtrack a little bit, we have the intro calls in the middle. We have email list is driving that. We have social that might be driving that. Uh, on the left side here, we have content and third party. So here's how outbound can kind of mix into this. And I give just a bunch of different examples. So okay. with these inbound-ish, you know, outbound method, you're going to prospect into people that are engaging with your content. So if you're using LinkedIn, this is a really, really good way to, to prospect is you could take that content that you're spending all that time creating. And with everything at our company, it starts with a, a, a daily post. That daily post gets put on LinkedIn, gets put on our website. Uh, we put it in our newsletter, all kinds of stuff. So we're getting a lot of mileage out of that content. When I post it on social, on LinkedIn primarily is the tool that we use. I'm going to then see who interacts with this post, who likes comments on the post, et cetera, that fits our ideal client profile. And I'm going to just proactively reach out to them and invite them to check out something. Uh, for us, it's our content, our reply method guide. So I can invite them to check out content on our site, and that helps them get on our email list. The other uh, thing okay. that I could do too is if it's a really a good fit, I might pick up the phone and call those people or run an outbound sequence and say, uh, hey, Sam, saw that you liked my post on cold calling. Really curious, saw that you're a VP of sales. How's cold calling going for your team right now? And those are such easy conversations to have because they've already like engaged with you and it's not like just pure, pure cold. Warmish. Yeah, they're warmish, right? So there's all kinds of ways that if you think about it, how can I find people that are engaging with my stuff? Whether it be LinkedIn posts, any other kind of social posts, how can I find out companies that are engaging with it and really use that as a way to start a conversation and put more content in front of them, get a conversation started if it makes sense. So that's one type where if you have a really strong inbound engine, I'll use an example, a company like Gong has a really strong inbound engine, right? And they do a lot of outbound on the inbound activity that they create. So it's pretty cool. So that's one type of outbound. Uh, below that, you have cold, like pure cold outreach, right? But you know what helps pure cold outreach is if that content you're creating and that third party stuff is really good, you can use that to start the conversation on the outbound side. So I can reach out to people in sales, marketing, whoever I'm you know, personally selling to and say, hey, I don't know if you saw it. I did a webinar with you know, Sam and we talked about how to make inbound and outbound work better together. Here it is. Check it out. I think you'd really like this little segment here that would be helpful for you. So that's a form of outbound, right? I'm reaching out to these people. They've never heard of me before. And I'm starting those conversations with really good content. Got it. And would that be best placed on a cold email, that example, Jason? Yeah. So, I mean, we should definitely talk about, you know, sequencing and, and cadences and that sort of thing, because you don't just want to send like a few cold emails. You really want to think about and look at, you know, sales loft, uh, outreach, vanilla soft, Apollo, all these great sales engagement tools will tell you about the same thing that to get a hold of someone from an outbound standpoint, you really need to reach out to them like 10 to 12 touches, you know, across two to three channels. So email, phone, LinkedIn, uh, spread out over 30 to 45 days. You need to have some good content in there, et cetera. But that's kind of the 80, 20 of that is like, what's, I need a good mix of phone calls and emails to get these conversations started. So what I would be thinking about is really define your ideal client profile. And if like, what are those a priority folks? And you could do that by starting and just looking at your current client base. So who are the people that get the most value out of your 
uh, product or service? Uh, who are the people you get the most repeat business from? Uh, who's left you testimonials that you've created case studies out of, et cetera? Who has the highest average deal size? Like who just gets the most value? And what you start looking at is, you know, look at patterns in your last 12 months of clients that you've acquired. And you're going to start finding things around like their industry, uh, niches within the industry. You're going to find employee count, department count size. You're going to find certain things that they are or, or not doing. You know, for example, you might find little things like this. Like when I'm prospecting, what's a really good indicator for me in helping a company is if they have really good inbound content that they're creating. Because I know that their reps, if they're really struggling with prospecting and it's be like there's no content on their website, I know that they just don't have any thought leadership or anything like thoughtful or intelligent to share when they're doing outbound. So that's like something I look for. So you're going to find all of these patterns. Okay. And then what you're going to do is like really define like, hey, what does that A priority like best case scenario look like for us that's a really good fit. And then you're going to spend all your effort going after those. And with the rest of them, you don't need to do this type of outreach with. So what I always say is don't treat prospects equally. So the people that are engaging with your stuff have a way that you've determined to figure out, is this a really good fit for us or not? And then we're going to spend some good effort going after those folks. So cold outreach, uh, a really simple sequence you can use is uh, over th a three-week period on a Tuesday, you could do something like this. It's called a triple touch. You call the person, you email them, and then send an invite on LinkedIn if you're not connected. On Thursday, you send a short follow-up email and you make a phone call, right? So that's five touches. Week one, you're gonna do the same pattern. Week two, week three. And let me know, Sam, if you wanna dig into more of the structure and content, we can do that too. Um, yeah, I think so far it's good. Yeah. I think I love, I'm love. i loving the fact that we're giving um, an overview tangible examples of how this can actually work and i especially mm -hmm. enjoy the kind of inboundish example where people which is something anyone can get stuck into and start right now so people that are actually engaging on the content you're putting out on linkedin so if you're not putting content out on linkedin right now make sure you do start doing that yeah you're missing um, out if you're not doing that right now and you're in b2b in b2b for sure for sure man so yeah if, if you're in b2b please do start putting out content on linkedin and we've got plenty of, of guides in, in the previous episodes on that um and then you're saying basically the people that are engaging with the content if they're if they fit your ideal customer profile then start a conversation with them really if, whether that's a message and sharing a, a piece of content that might be useful for them or if they if you find that they really are a good fit giving them a, a call and just saying what, what what did you find interesting about this and starting a conversation on on how or what they're doing that's relevant to your product or service so i really love that and um, i love the fact that you're talking about outbound sequences that can be linked in to again content that you've utilized um yeah, it'd be good to good to know some some more examples, really, Jason, on on any other ways that outbound and inbound could be linked together. So this is another really big opportunity that I see missed, and this is how do we run outbound to more proactively create collaboration opportunities. So what I did at the beginning of 2018 is in Blissful Prospecting, we started out primarily as a done for you service. So we would do the prospecting for them. We would run cold email campaigns and LinkedIn campaigns, and what I found out doing that, the kind of TLDR there was that it's one, it's really hard. Um, we don't get as good of results doing it for people as we do teaching them how to do it because they know their prospects better. And it's just a more sustainable business for me personally to do it that way. So what I made a big focus of at the beginning of 2018 was how do I outbound create more collaborations and referral partnerships? So what did I do? I cold emailed just about every sales podcast that I could find over a hundred of them. Yeah, and since then we've landed 60, 70 interviews. And now I don't have to be 
I don't have to reach out to people as much to get on their podcast. But if you look at 2018 and all of 2019 and probably the first couple of months of this year, I, I basically invited myself on the sales podcast. <laughs> and I did that by reaching out and saying, Hey, I was looking at the content. So if we look at that pillar content that I talked about at the very beginning, if you got some really good stuff, like for me, it was for a year, all I talked about was video prospecting and how to use videos. So I had a pillar piece of content and all of my conversations were about video. So all the content I was posting was like how to use video. So that was the thing that I would say, hey, let's reach out to podcasts, webinars, publications, and I'm going to talk about video prospecting. That was the thing that I pushed. And that's kind of what I became known for in 2018. And then I started, you know, lately we're talking a lot about cold calling and also talking about how to make inbound and outbound work together. So kind of come up with different themes for like really big pieces of content, that pillar content that you can talk about and you can repurpose that in a lot of different ways, but run outbound on partnership opportunities. So those third party opportunities I talked about on the very left, on the inbound side, run outbound and get a list of every single podcast, webinar, publication, influencer, anyone that you want to collaborate with and create content with and run outbound on that too. And then, it, then it's a cycle that kind of feeds itself, right? You're creating more third party opportunities, which are going to drive email subscribers and intro calls. But you're also going to see who engages with that stuff. And you can do the inboundish stuff we talked about here on the outbound side on the right. You can run outbound on that too. So that's awesome, those are the three big pillars that if you focused on like, so the actionables from this is dude, build a list. You should have a list you're working at all times of the biggest platforms in your industry that have already gathered your ideal customers for you. That's the action item here. And then from there, start thinking about how you can offer them value. So I didn't just send emails saying, uh, hey, Sam, I'd like to get on your podcast. Can we book a time? I said, hey, Sam, love your podcast. I listened to an actual episode. Here's what I liked about it. I also saw an opportunity to talk about this topic that I haven't seen you talk about yet. And I think it'd be really valuable for your audience. Here's a few examples of it. Could I send over some topics? Like, So one of the things that um, our email exchange back and forth prior to this, you were asking me about topics, right? Sure. Topics, things that we could talk about. I know that running, because I have a podcast and I run webinars, the hardest part when someone reaches out to you is thinking, what the hell do I talk to this person about? That takes time to figure that out, right? So if you can reach out to someone and suggest topics based on research that you've done, you're, you're, you're like making it like you're pulling out all the heavy lifting for them. You're making it easy for them to say, yes, let's, let's, let's chat about it. And you're doing that work. I don't want to send Sam an email and be like, Hey Sam, I want to get into your podcast. And then you have to go do research on me to figure out what to talk. No, I'm going to suggest some of those things and give you some examples. Exactly. No, love that man. And I love the, the fact that you did that back in 2018, the cold outreach to a hundred or so companies. And for anyone tuning in, you don't have to do that necessarily on sales. So you could pick someone that runs us oh, a bunch of people that run a show on your sector. So let's say you're in software as a service, perhaps you want to find a bunch of software as a service, CRM providers, for example, or you're in something completely differently, uh, maybe cybersecurity or something like that. So go find a bunch of people that are doing that kind of podcast. And like Jason says, reach out to them um, with a, a topic idea, an idea of how you can have value, what you can talk to to talk to them about. And generally, you'll find that people are very receptive if you if you offer something of value and give them a constructive idea of how you can bring some useful insight insights to the show. Um, when you were doing that, Jason, did you find that? I know you were saying that the content that came from there 
could then be recycled, could be then used to build your outbound. Did you find that you got many inbound opportunities direct from the talks that you did on the the various podcasts of people reaching out to you saying, look, Jason, I heard you on this show. I actually wanted to talk about this project that I had coming up. Yeah, absolutely. We got a lot of inbound from it. Um, so I would go in this looking at like, hey, what are all the things that would make this a win? So when you're putting together the list of people that you want to collaborate with the companies, I wanted to say, hey, even if I collaborated with this person and didn't get any business from it, it would still be a win because I would get a good piece of content and I would get good social proof. So when you're putting together that list, I think it's like, who would be good to collaborate with social proof wise? Uh, who could I create good content with and could I get business from it? Um, I'm thinking like it has to like do one of those three things for me. Ideally, all three of those things. Um, so when I'm going in, one a tip that I have is, and I'll just use myself as an example. So I talked a lot about video prospecting. So I'd do an interview like this, and then I would have something at the end to share with folks. So I'd say, hey, go to blissfulprospecting.com slash Sam. I actually have a guide if you want more information on this on uh, video prospecting, right? So they could go afterwards and get like a guide and like a piece of content they could get on my email list that way. And like I'm nurturing some of those folks. And I think that's a huge missed opportunity is to not have something to send people to at the end of the show. So uh, yeah, I did get business from it. But if I didn't, um, you know, it was still good for social proof. And it was still good to really create content with those folks. And I always think about on the inbound side, how can I get the most mileage out of everything that I'm doing? So if I'm going to create a piece of content, how can I repurpose that in as many different ways as possible and get as much mileage out of it as I possibly can? And an article should be repurposed into a podcast if it was good. There should be a video about it. I can take that content and talk about it on podcasts and webinars. Like really think about mileage. It's so hard to create good, organic, like original content, get as much out of that as you possibly can. Treat it like a book. You know, people don't come out with books every month and say, I need to come out with something new. They come out with a book and they promote that book in all kinds of different mediums and channels. They take little pieces of that book. Then they talk about certain topics, like really think mileage and how can I get as much as possible out of the stuff that I'm creating? Definitely, man. Completely agree. And that's one of the beauties of podcasts that you can really repurpose it into so many different pieces of content. Yep. Jason, are there any lesser known strategies, be it inbound or outbound marketing, that people that you think people aren't tapping up, that are perhaps missed opportunities that people don't think about quite so much that you've maybe seen results with or your clients have? I mean, these are it right here. Like these are the sure. things. Um, I don't think they're lesser known, though. Uh, I am of the belief I'm not into growth hacking or mm. any type of hacking of any type, because I feel like it's really short-lived and unsustainable. Like, sure. look at LinkedIn. You know, three years ago, you know, several people started posting these long-form posts, and because people weren't doing that and LinkedIn wanted to drive it, you would get an insane amount of uh, you know, traffic on those things. I mean, people were getting hundreds of thousands or millions of views on their posts. And those same posts don't do as well anymore unless the content's good. So if you build your business around like, how can I hack the thing of the quarter or of the month or of the year, it's not sustainable for you. I think more about habits. I think that's the most underrated part. You seem like a pretty fit guy. See, I'm just looking at you. Like think about like <laughs> fitness, right? Fitness is all not about, it's not about using steroids and getting quick hacks, right? To get the results that you want. I'm sure you have a very good set of habits around how you eat on a regular basis, there's probably a consistent workout routines that you use on a regular basis. And it's about doing those over and over and over again. You start to get a compound effect. 
inbound and outbound are exactly the same. I think people are always looking for tips and tricks and hacks and templates and scripts. Dude, if you just have really good content that solves, that's helping your customers and prospects solve a very big problem, something that they're thinking about a lot. And when you go to prospect, you put that content in front of them and really lead with them. It's those habits of doing it on a regular basis. That's the part I see missing. People aren't willing to put in the time over and over and over again, and they lose motivation or whatever it might be to just be consistent. And those yeah. are the companies, those are the clients I have that have the most success is they're not looking for the tips and tricks. They're looking for what is the framework that I can apply to this and then consistently do that and refine it and make it better over time and keep very, very consistent. Love that. Love that. Good, good cheeky comparison for, for the gym. I've actually used that myself. That's one of my favorite yeah. analogies to compare kind of long-term results, whether it's talking about things like search engine optimization or growing a presence on LinkedIn and generating inbound yeah. opportunities. I love to compare it to the gym because like you say, it's something you have to keep doing to, to see the results. Um, well, one, one last comment on that because you got yeah. me fired up on the gym thing. It's, it's <laughs> like, uh, you know, like think about where most people fail when it comes to being healthy and so they set these new year's resolutions and it's like this big moment like oh i'm gonna start going to the gym and doing all this stuff when it's really the consistency of the activity that actually gets the result that you're looking for you know it's like losing a pound or two a week if you're trying to lose weight is much more sustainable than looking for the thing to lose 15 pounds we I mean, just look at that how many people have you seen yo-yo back and forth when they lose a bunch of weight and they gained it all back because they didn't build any habits around what they're doing on a daily basis so as soon as you can wrap your head around there isn't a quick way to do this, but there are a few things that I can do to on a daily basis to get good results out of my content and with my outbound. As soon as you wrap your head around, there's no quick results and get bought into the activities and the inputs. So James Clear, Atomic Habits, talks a lot about the inputs being more important than worrying about the outputs. The inputs will drive the outputs. As soon as you wrap your head around and focus around that mentally and play the long tail, that's where you're going to start to have some really good success with this. Awesome, man. Um, Jason, I love your your website in general. It's got so much useful content and all different forms of content, like you say, your podcast, your videos, your blogs, your newsletter. It's all there. It's, it's all clear and it offers actionable advice. Um, for people that are looking to get started on perhaps, perhaps they're already doing outbound marketing and they're looking to ramp up their inbound, how do you, how do you manage your time? How do you know where to start? For example, is there is there a one, one place that you'd recommend starting, i.e., should we hammer LinkedIn, start creating content each day, or should we hammer blogs, or should we hammer podcasts and then recycle that content? Is there a starting point that you'd say is this has worked for me, therefore I recommend this, or is it find what works best for you? Yeah, I mean, this always comes back to like it's the same framework for inbound and outbound when I look at content. So, like for outbound, I look at it in three stages like identify, so your ability to find good uh, companies and then people, so ICPs and personas. And then in the middle, there's your ability to engage. That's your messaging and sequences. And what connects those two is knowing the problems, right, that you solve. And then the engage part, starting the conversation, that leads to the convert part of it, the equation, getting a meeting. And between those two, the bridge is knowing, you know, being able to objection handle. So the magic with content is like those in-between sections here. What I would actually start doing before I would hammer down into a channel is, am I actually talking about stuff that my audience gives a shit about? Hopefully I can use profanity on your show, Sam. <laughs> no problem, FEMA. <laughs> um, like, am I talking about stuff that they care about? What I have done so much of, and I still do it, is I talk to people even that aren't ready to like have a sales conversation with me. 
I create a lot of our content for salespeople and sales teams. I've literally talked to hundreds of sales reps over the last couple of years, just asking them, hey, dude, can I pick your brain for 15 minutes? I'm trying to create more useful content in these areas. I want to know what your challenges are. And that's how people told me, you know, I just like when I go to write cold emails, they take a really long time. I don't really have a framework or a structure for it that I, that I feel like will work. Like that's my biggest problem. So that's how I came up with the reply method was, hey, what I heard from everyone is that they needed a structure for cold emails and that it was taking them too long. So now I have a good piece of pillar content, that reply method. It's a, it's a whole big guide that I can take bits and pieces of that and talk about it on LinkedIn and other forms. So I would really get focused on like, what are the two or three really big problems that the people you work with have? And get the language that they talk about them. And then you can start creating content. And what you'll start doing is creating content. People will be like, oh, wow, that's interesting. I've been thinking about that problem. So that's where I would start. In terms of the channels, I find that that, like where you could start is with like a blog post or article or some sort of long form written guide. You're going to get some SEO benefits out of that, but have one or two big pieces of pillar content or guides on your website and then use that and repurpose that. And that's the part that's going to take that. Yeah. That's the trickier part is figuring out like where the best medium is for you. But if you're in B2B, you need to be having articles. You should have a podcast at this point, right? Um, you should be posting content on LinkedIn and kind of repurposing those things. Like I would at least think about the minimum, you know, amount of uh, things that you should be doing um, in that regard. So in terms of where you need to double down, I would, that's another question you can ask people. Where do you con like consuming this content? Do you listen to podcasts? Do you watch webinars? Are you on LinkedIn consuming this stuff? Do you prefer to read articles? You know, what publications do you, do you check out? So I think a lot of it is starting with the people, like have actual people, literally people that you create your content for, because yeah. if they're having that same problem, there's going to be hundreds or thousands of other people exactly like them having the same, same issues that they want to get help figuring out. That's one of the best tips we've had on here in terms of creating content, because you're literally talking to the people that are going to consume it. And then yeah. creating, like you say, a long form or pillar piece of content that can then be reused for various mediums, various channels. It's just going to serve you a whole bunch of good because you can repurpose it so much and get so much bang for your buck. Dude, you're going to build raving fans that way too, because people are like, I have people that I just have known over the last couple of years that I created the content for them. You know what I mean? And like, they love, they want to share that. Like they, it makes them feel really good that I created something specifically for them. that was like totally free, <laughs> you know? So like really come in with that mindset of like, hey, I'm in this for the long run. I need to really figure out like what their problems are and what they need help with. And this allows you to build relationships with people too. Yeah, I'm a really big fan of uh, Kevin Kelly talks about a thousand true fans. Tim Ferriss has talked about that a lot. But if you can find a thousand people that like really love your stuff, like you're going to have, you're going to have a really good business because those thousand people are going to share it with other people. And what I would suggest is like find the first hundred. Spend, uh, you know, three, six months finding a hundred people that fit your ideal client profile that you can start creating content for. And you're going to get sales calls out of that, by the way, when you do it, but find those people, build those relationships. I think that and I'm not the first person to say this, but being on the marketing end, I think what we tend to do is not have conversations with customers because we're not client facing. We're not in sales. No, if you're creating marketing content, you should absolutely be talking to those people. You should be talking to your salespeople. Hey, what problems are you hearing people talk about? Where are you getting hung up on objections? Where are people choosing not to do business with us? Like those are perfect content pieces right there. Completely agree, man. 
and um, definitely something that should be happening more often. So marketing, talking to sales and, and vice versa, actually not really doing the age old argument of complaining about leads, but actually understanding what, what customers want, what customers problems are, what's happening right now. So like you say, the content that gets created can then be useful um, can serve a purpose and can generate inbound. Awesome. Jason, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, my friend. We've covered some great ground today. So really appreciate everyone. You've been tuning into Sam's Business Growth Show, where we sit down with business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. We find out their story, how digital marketing has helped them along the way, and their exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your sales and skyrocket your business. Jason, I like to ask everyone that comes on, if you could thank just one person, either dead or alive, having a positive influence on yourself, and your career, who would that be and why? Oh, man. What's really timely right now is Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> I didn't know him, but he. Uh, I started playing uh, guitar in seventh grade, electric guitar, because of him. Uh, it, my The very first CD my dad gave me to listen to was the very first Van Halen CD when I was like in second right. grade. And I was just hooked since then. Um, I repainted my guitar you know, to look like his. Um, I had all kinds of stickers. I used the same strings, guitar picks. And what's always really inspired me about him is his creativity. He's really known for saying, hey, there's 12 notes. Because people ask him, what's your favorite scale? How, you know, what's your secret with all this stuff? And he's like, well, hey, you got 12 notes. Use them any way that you want. And I kind of look at marketing and sales like that, where it's like, dude, like the bumper guards are really pretty wide here. If we're using bowling as an analogy, um, it's really like up to you to kind of pick your mix and your flavor and make it your own. And that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier. There's no magic tricks or... I just stay away from the growth hacking type stuff and his creativity and how original he was is just so inspiring for me around content and just like, you know, create your own lane, you know, if it doesn't exist right now, like do things your own way and add your own flavor to it. And that's what people are really going to be inspired by. So I'd have to give him a shout out. Awesome, man. Jason, really appreciate you coming on, dude. Um, yeah. Please do tell us a bit more about how people can connect with you, how they can learn from you. Uh, a bit more about your business and the best way to get in touch. Yeah. So I would say we just wrapped up the Think Outside the Script summer virtual tour. So for 90 days, the last 90 days, I was doing two to three webinars per week and it was all focused on outbound. So prospecting, uh, cold calling, cold email, LinkedIn, personal branding. We had tons of great guests on there um, that literally wrapped up yesterday, but the replays are still up. There's 40 talks that you can get access to at tour.blissfulprospecting.com. It's free. I would go check it out. We're not doing any more live webinars, but there's so much in like just insanely good content there on outbound. I would check that out first. And then blissfulprospecting.com uh, is where you can find out, you know, if you're looking for some coaching or training, you know, as an individual or as a company and you want, you know, to get help kind of flexing this outbound muscle uh, to help with your inbound, um, you can reach out to me there as well. And that's where you can, you know, kind of find a hub for all of our stuff. Jason, thank you so much for coming on, man. Cool. Yeah, this is awesome, dude. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. And if you enjoyed the show, be sure to hit subscribe on your podcast channel of choice to Sam's Business Growth Show. We've got tons of interviews with business leaders giving you actionable tips each and every week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Are you tired of constantly hunting for new customers? You could be missing out on regular inbound opportunities all because your website isn't on the first page of Google. Perhaps you're already spending lots of money on advertising, but your website is failing to convert all of your hard-earned visitors into a consistent flow of new customers. If you'd like to learn more about our unusual approach that brings idle clients straight to you, connect with Sam Dunning on LinkedIn or book a free 20-minute consultation via webchoiceuk.com.
That's webchoiceuk.com. Subscribe today for more digital marketing, sales, and business growth tips from the experts.